Welcome to Householders, a conversation about American life as Zen practice. I'm Inga Annie Wade. And I'm Kyosaku John Mitchell, and we're lay members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. I think that as I've started meditating more, I start noticing smaller changes um, in everything. So like in my body and also in my environment where even subtle things where like how the rain makes me feel or how um, the sun, you know, something if it's too hot or too sunny um, and in the change in the seasons, how those changes kind of regularly affect our our um, emotions and our um, our habits and everything. And it's easy to just brush those aside because I mean they're they're gonna be here regardless. but I think there's also an opportunity with all these little changes happening to sort of sit back and and appreciate it too. And I was curious what what kind of um, changes you experience during seasonal changes or even from daytime to nighttime or anything like that. Yeah, I definitely uh, also have gained in sensitivity to that sort of thing over time. Gained a sensitivity? Gained in sensitivity. My sensitivity has increased over time. Okay, me and, too. And I, <laughs> I, I think... That I can probably attribute that to spiritual practice in some way. There is also like an intellectual interest in caring about that sort of thing and paying attention to it that has increased. You mean like with climate change? Oh, no. I just mean like, you know, knowing where like the moon phase and keeping track of the seasons and the weather Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of that stuff. It's just, it's sort of like the science brain. Yeah. Well, moon phases are lovely. Yeah. And, and they're part of Jewish life too, in a big way. Oh, the the Jewish calendar runs on the lunar cycle and, and holidays are time to the moon and stuff. So it's actually, it's, it's Sukkot right now, which is the, uh, the autumn festival and the full moon of this month, uh, is when Sukkot, starts and uh you know this year it coincides perfectly with the solar equinox the fall equinox so it's you know it's one of the it doesn't always happen because lunar calendars and solar calendars aren't lined up but it's mm-hmm. you know it's a perfect bullseye for fall this year that the first day of sukkot the full moon falls on the equinox so that feels particularly powerful to me but what i mean by the intellectual interest is like there's a sort of dad energy to uh, like just being able to rattle off those kinds of facts about the world and the environment. And I feel like that does fuel me somewhat, but there's also something that feels very feminine to me about being in touch with natural cycles that way. And that's a, that's a sort of in, like an instinct or a, sens- a sensitivity that I've had to open up over time uh, now, and- what about that seems feminine to you? I can kind of see the connection with like the, you know, women have cycles and everything else has cycles too. So perhaps we just are more aware of cycles in general. I but- think that's what it is. I don't think I'm I'm not 
about to say that men, like male bodies are not also equally affected by cyclical natural forces, but there oh, are, I, think so. I, I mean, I, I, it, I think that everything is affected by cyclical mm-hmm. natural forces. It's just that, you know, particularly the lunar cycle, monthly cycle, uh, you know, there are, there are quite obvious unavoidable, uh, effects on female bodies that have like interpersonal ramifications. And so women are like learned to be sensitive to them in a way that men don't in our society don't really get to learn. And I wondered if, I wonder if like farming or hunting or, you know, like if we were dependent on the natural cycles and for our livelihood in more ways, uh, I feel like that sensitivity would be perfectly present for everyone. Um, But, but really what it comes down to for me is just that like those, the teachers about that, that I've had in my life have, have been, have been women that I know who are, Mm -hmm. who are kind of astonished sometimes at the insensitivity or like the lack of awareness about natural cycles that is expressed around them. And I've heard them and listened to them and been like, yeah, you're right about that. And, but I think, I think there's also something spiritual underlying that, like nourishing and, and giving life as a sort of feminine energy, you know, relating to earth as a feminine, you know, like, like the Gaia consciousness of earth, like is sort of described as feminine, like the, the, uh, the forces governing the natural cycles themselves. Um, whereas like the sun is generally described as masculine, which is just sort of this like constant presence, um, that, you know, waxes and wanes in a much longer cycle. So, you know, these are all just archetypes and symbols, but that's mm-hmm. that's how it feels to me. It fe- what it feels to me, it feels to me related to, I mean, this is the real reason I said that, is that it feels related to the sort of effort that I've felt I've had to do to counteract like very scripted masculine programming mm-hmm. that I've been raised yeah. with in order to become more like emotionally sensitive and it's, it just feels like part of the same process somehow. So that's maybe the way in which it's connected to spiritual practice. It's like I'm opening up to my feelings. It's also a myth to think that men don't have like emotional cycles like women right. do. Yeah. Like, of course, your your um, hormones are going to fluctuate. Like, right. But women have something physical that's happening that can mark that hormonal transition. Right. Um, that you can't stuff down and pretend isn't happening. Yeah. Like, men can. <laughs> like, I know this is happening. And actually for women... Usually it's like the there's a, an entire cycle all month long. It's mm-hmm. not like okay, there the period happens, that's the only important event. Like there's hormonal fluctuations during the entire month. And I can I can tell the difference. Like I know where I am on my cycle depending on like how I'm feeling and um my emotional state and physical changes and everything like that. And it it there's different points and I imagine men are the same way and again it's just not there's just no physical like sign of that for them. Mm-hmm. Um maybe you know it could even be for women it's kind of nice that not that anybody wants a period but you know it's kind of nice to have that reminder that you know okay you might be emotional right now and that's it's going to be okay mm-hmm. like you know the reason you don't have to like try to come up with one that doesn't really fit, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
pay more attention to what's going on in your surroundings and um, how you're feeling. On the, on the question of how spiritual practice affects that sort of awareness, I think that there's still an open question for me as to whether those effects, that sensitivity is always happening and always present. And, you know, people with female bodies are, have, have like overt conscious reasons to be aware of it because there's mm-hmm. like a cycle that they're tracking that has effects uh, and 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 perhaps it's just that men don't typically so they're so the so it's happening under the surface without awareness. But then there's also a way in which it feels to me like spiritual practice can increase sensitivity beyond what it naturally is. and and that can just make that can make the whole cycle for me feel more extreme that like bad weather brings me down more, but good weather brings me up more. I mean, that's an oversimplification, no, but it's like sure. I, the the amount of in, interaction with the surrounding energetic environment has increased over time. It feels to me. And I, and I do sort of wonder whether that's due to a sort of expanded capacity, maybe built through practice. What do you think of, of that idea that you can sort of, become more sensitive to those kinds of things. Yeah, I definitely think you can become more sensitive to them. And at least there's more awareness brought to to it. I think that with the environmental changes, like it rains a lot. We're here in Georgia and we get like about 50, 50 inches of rain per year, which is more than people think it rains here. Mm-hmm. They compare it to like Seattle or something, which is like, oh, that's the rainy um, city. And it's like, no, it rains more in Georgia. It rains hard here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's really like I physically feel sick when it rains. Mm. I got I think one explanation is really easy. You wake up and it's darker than it normally is because there's clouds in the sky and everything. And your circadian rhythms like might not pick up on the blue light as much. Um, so it might not kick in. The hormones might not kick in as, as early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and my joints hurt a lot more. And I know that people just anecdotally have talked about uh, like joint pain from arthritis um, and other surgeries and other things like that have like increase like the pain increases when it's raining or when it's cold Mm -hmm. but they can't really find any evidence to support why Mm. but it just does seem to happen like people say it all the time and i i can tell you there is a huge like marked difference but also maybe i just notice it more because i'm also like feeling bad (laughs) Mm -hmm. right it's (laughs) it's it's so hard to disentangle but like i had i broke a bone in my hand uh my Mm -hmm. left hand when i was like 15 and that's so like almost 20 years ago and it hurts for sure when there's like a sudden pressure change like when a thunderstorm is coming in uh i can feel that in my hand even today Mm -hmm. and for and for a while it was worse it was more pronounced and it was more constant it's not i mean you know it's it it doesn't it does that part doesn't seem that surprising to me but it's but it's you know it's the the more in, the more you pay attention you pay to these kinds of things, the more interconnected it all is. Like I'm, I'm not totally yeah. sure that we've t- we've fully explored sort of what is the connection between like 
the menstrual cycle and the lunar cycle, you know, in terms of this conversation, but the, but it, but it, that might just be because for us, it doesn't seem like they're separate things. Like the, like nature is just nature. Like the body is nature and the moon is nature and the tide is nature and the weather is nature. But like, do, do you think that there is something, um, that has changed about the way that you relate sort of your body's cycles to the, not just the environment of the conditions of like, Oh, it's dark today, but like, you know, over the course of the year, like, can you, like, do you feel, uh, like your body is interacting with a different environment or is it like all one, like, how does it, how, how connected does it feel to you? That's a good question. And I certainly feel more connected the more time I spend outside. Mm. And that can actually be a very healing process because we're talking about becoming very sensitive to these changes. What can be like a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. You right. know, if you're if you're so sensitive, like it you're going to feel that pain a little bit more or whatever's going on, your emotional things. But also being aware can be very helpful of what you should do about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if if I'm cold, then it's like I have a heating pad, I have hot tea, I can, you know, whatever. I can find things. If I didn't know that was what was wrong, I wouldn't know how to fix the situation. Right. You know. Um, You'd just be in a bad mood or something. And yeah. Not know why. Like, yeah. I don't know why I'm in a bad mood today. Yeah. Like, well, I could fix the bad mood now because I know what's yeah. wrong. But yeah. yeah, it also has the other thing of just like you could feel it a little bit more too. And not that you didn't feel it before, but you, but just summing it all up in a bad mood, you know. That's, that's what you're doing. You're right. Just, uh, whatever. I don't have time for this. I'm just in a bad mood. Yeah. So. It just like pushes the problems around. It doesn't really get at why they're happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there are certain situations, even like I, I think with rain, like we have this tendency to want to be inside when it rains. Yeah. But I actually find that it makes me feel better to open a window. Mm hmm. Um, and just listen to the rain and yeah. just be in tune with it or sit outside on the the porch or something like that. I don't really have a good place to like sit outside, you know, like mm-hmm. underneath a porch. But that would be cool to, yeah. to do that, sit in an area that where you're not in the rain in the rain. But Yeah, we, we have a nice porch in, in the really hard rain uh, the other day. Uh, we sat outside for the whole time and it was really yeah powerful. And I was like really just, tripping out actually. It was, it was, it was, there was no thought. It was uh, just a complete absorption that I experienced just and into I, the rain. I love the sound of the rain. I mean, yeah. and it is a wonderful experience. It can be very entrancing and very relaxing. And just, just be like, I, I remember the other day it was raining and I, you know, open the window and it was just laying down in my, uh, on the floor in my room. And it was just like, I don't know, that was awesome. <laughs> but we don't like take the time to appreciate things like that. I don't We don't always have the time to. So I'm not saying right. like you're at work and I'm like, I got to do this stuff. You know, you're not even thinking about the rain, mm-hmm. but you should think about the rain. Yeah. Well, I, I've, I've really taken to, um, I mean, when the weather permits, which it hasn't for months because it's been 100 degrees and 5 million percent humidity outside for, for the last few months. But right now we're like in the weather system that is changing that. So for the next few weeks, 
it's going to be gorgeous outside and the if not months and uh, i i really have taken to taking meetings on walks when uh when weather is permitting and like that is such a good idea it's it changes everything for me like you know i can't take all of the meetings that i right because sometimes you have to show people things yeah but but i could i mean even if somebody else is presenting i can i can look when i have to look if i you know or you know stop and sit for a while you know whatever it whatever i need to do like the the phone makes that so doable that especially if it's just for listening um with the occasional chiming in, like doing that on a walk is infinitely more engaging to me. And it's not just that I, that I'm, that I enjoy it more. It's actually that my thinking is better. And I, I have, um, I, I might even be able to articulate my own thoughts better, but I can certainly pay better attention to what other people are saying. And it's, it just, it's, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm, it, we, we have stayed away so far from talking about like primitive human society and like positing any kind of thing about how much better things were when we were living off the land and, you know, uh, cold and wet and dirty all the time as, as though those are virtues. But like there, there is obviously something natural about walking and, exploring the world that we just have a lot more kind of evolutionary firepower behind than we have behind sitting and looking at like an illuminated rectangle and not moving <laughs> like that as mesmerizing of an experience as that is like it mesmerized is not actually what you want to be when you're supposed to be working <laughs> well so. yeah I and mean, I, I think the the other problem is just that variety if you're yeah. staring at a, right. a square all day, like you're not even going to remember one day from the next. Yeah. Uh, but if you go out and you experience different environments um, throughout the week, then it's going to feel more full and mm-hmm. um, more um, engaging. Real? What What is the <laughs> word I always use for the cat? Enriching. Ah. She has to do enriching enrichment. Which is just like making things more interesting for her. Like I'll I'll put food in this little ball and she has to move it around to get the food out. Mm. But yeah, humans are like that too. Yeah, I was though. just going to say need... that's exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> we need enrichment as well. And I think having... And, and we know with, with cats, like they can have completely happy lives indoors, but you have to really engage them and you yeah. have to really find these enrichment activities that are going to make their, their lives fuller i think they there was this study with rats and like okay i I always just remember these studies i wish i could like cite them for you and Mm -hmm. everything but um these are just conversations so i don't always have this yeah i believe you don't worry (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that that you know the brain development in these rats or mice that like were able to uh go outside and stay there for a very long time and ones that were indoors like obviously the brain development was a lot better for ones that could experience a much bigger and vibrant environment. Sure. Um, and we're just the exact same way. Yeah, and I'm starting to, to feel like, you know, 
I, I, by the way, I love my job. I'm not, I feel very fortunate and I'm not complaining about this. This is just something that I actively want to, you know, with any job that you're going to be on the computer all day in one environment, you have to find ways to make that more enriching to you. Yeah. Um, Leather, like you said, if you take a walk during a meeting, opening a window, I don't know, maybe even working from a different space now and again can help that experience and just find a way for the environment to help you balance things out. I I was working in this room uh, all year with the shutters closed, thinking that the backlighting on my computer screen would make it impossible for me to see or something. I, I really don't know what my justification was. Uh, but I got a plant. This is part of actually what's changed. I got a, uh, a nice sort of low maintenance, uh, plant for my, my birthday for my sister-in-law. Uh, and so, you know, to, um, make sure the plant has enough light, I started opening the shutters and I realized that it's perfectly doable to work in here with like tons of natural light. It's a South facing window. So like all day long, there's like lots of light flooding in and I am a million times more alive as a result. The plant itself is also enjoying it. And so yeah. like, there's this sort of uh, camaraderie between the two life forms in here. And then as you've probably heard in previous conversations, the chickens are right outside my yeah. office window and now that the shutters are open they fly up onto the windowsill and they like peck at the window and talk and like having this interaction with these three animals all day uh has also completely changed this environment into something that feels like a real part of a real planet and not just like some virtual reality and it's 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 you know it's not uh it's, it's it doesn't have anywhere close to the benefit of like going out and taking a legit walk in the middle of the day, which I do sometimes, but it really helps a lot to kind of wake me up out of the computer hypnosis. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I've also instituted a 4 p.m. Qigong session, uh, which has also changed the game. Uh, I, you know, I, I used to feel kind of like I wanted to do more Zazen at more times of day, you know, like just to sort of get used to sitting with the energy of those different times. But I always used to fall asleep after, you know, basically noon. Like if I ever if I ever did Zazen like later in the day after my energy had already peaked, I would just conk out and like kind of not be able to recover. Uh, so I've started doing <laughs> Qigong instead and I do it at 4 p.m., which is sort of like the bottom of the trough of energy for me. But of course, I need like another hour of uh, of work out of myself. And it it it's it's like almost as fresh as like waking up in the morning and starting over completely just from the seven minutes of movement and energy practice. And cause I think some of this really comes down to that in a, like all of this stuff about sensitivity to the weather and to the environment and just sort of being outside in nature. I think that it kind of boils down to something that you might describe as energy. I mean, like the Taoist word for it would be chi, the Japanese word would be ki, and that's part of Zen tradition. But we, you know, we don't really talk about it in Zen in the sort of like health terms that like older Taoist traditions typically do, you know, like it's just sort of part, like one of the things you need, like food and water, you need like healthy 
flowing active chi also and it 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 seems like this practice this active movement practice seems to wake me up in exactly the same way that going for a walk would and well that's a bad example because that involves moving but like even just sort of talking to the chickens for 30 seconds sort of activates my spiritual energy in a way that working at a computer all day like just completely saps by the end yeah uh for sure and um i think i think there's also i don't know if i if i want to call it flow but Mm -hmm. i think that like if you get in the flow at your work it can it can be hard to remember anything (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean remember what anything like just what happened during that day like the interaction uh-huh. uh, oh like, sure right you're saying you're saying kind of like related to the thing you've said before about how flow states are actually like not spiritually wholesome states they're like obsessive tunnel yeah. vision states yeah so i'll get totally i'll get like that. working on something and i'll just be like okay the whole day i've just been working you know and then days will go by if i do that like long enough i'll be like well it's been like a whole month <laughs> Yeah. What an awful and I feeling. Think, I think that's nice to have the chickens, especially if you can use them as a reminder to just pause for a moment and and be there instead of like in your own head and um caught up in everything. Right. And like I don't have to. They interrupt me, so I don't have to remind myself they do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't remind yourself almost. Yeah. But Zelda will will come up and she'll want attention, and I'll have to stop because she'll do things that are really annoying. Yeah, um, you know, like get on the keyboard. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> you know, any she knows, she yeah, knows it annoys me. So she'll do that, and and then I will just have to to pick her up and and hold her for a little bit, and um, that's been really nice to be like, okay, you got to stop for a second. You gotta you gotta think about things. You know, you gotta take a moment to recognize and even you know show gratitude for having this day yeah um which is something to easily forget when you do a lot of the same thing over and over do you ever sort of create intentional intervals of time like set a timer and you're going to work for x minutes and then when it goes off you're going to stop and like do something else or uh even just switch tasks, but like, you know, something to, something to create, um, markers or containers around the time in a work day. No, I've never done that. Do you? Yeah. I, I mean, I've never settled on anything that works very naturally because I find that I, I mean, I think it's just sort of the nature of my work that, and probably yours too, that tasks, first of all, can kind of expand to fit any container of time and, you know, and, and they're, it's very hard to make them into discrete chunks that will be over in like a predictable number of minutes, but even just setting a timer for like 20 minutes and then getting up and stretching every 20 minutes and sitting right back down and doing, get going back to work. Yes. That, that makes a huge difference for me. And I, I find myself cheating a lot when I set up something like that. Cause I get into this kind of obsessive flow uh, that you're talking about, and it feels like it's going to interrupt me. But what I what I need to remember, and I never do, 
but is obviously the case, you know, after a day of doing it successfully, is that that interruption doesn't actually stop the work. It actually re-energizes me to keep going. And I last longer doing it that way than I would if I just sort of plowed through until I collapsed. Oh, yeah. I think because I think you can run out early if you just plow through things. Yeah. Like, have you ever been like it's like four o'clock and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through the next hour. Yeah, I'm most days I feel that way. That's that's <laughs> why I instituted this Qigong practice right then, because that's yeah. always the moment where I hit an absolute wall. And so in the past, I've like squeezed five actual minutes of work out of that hour and considered it to be doing my job. But if I take 10 minutes to do Qigong, I can spend the rest of that hour and in a high energy productive state, just like I started in. And it is remarkable to me that that works, but it's, it's, I think that it has something to do with this entire sort of broader sensitivity to the world and to its energy that we, that we've started off talking about, like even the weather, because what you realize when you cultivate energy that way is that you're not a closed system or, or even like the sort of barely open system that we might think of ourselves as where we're like, we're a body with a certain number of calories in through our mouth every day. And we're taking in oxygen and water and, <laughs> you know, like a few other basic inputs and, you know, like our own homeostasis and like our immune systems condition and like how much sleep we got and a few other like, like measurable variables determine everything about the state that our body's in and how much we can handle. And like, we do have plenty to manage uh, day in and day out as far as all of those things are concerned, but it's been an obvious and shocking discovery to me uh, as I've done more spiritual practice that we're not a closed system that way, that like actually looking out the window for 30 seconds fills you with energy. And, you know, it's, and, and likewise staring at a screen for, 10 or 15 minutes saps you of energy. There are things in the world that give you energy and there are things in the world that take energy because the, because everything is interconnected that way. And, and so you aren't just like, like don't like there's a temptation I find in a lot of people I know to sort of think, Oh, I'm not getting enough sleep. Like I, like I'm a bad person cause I'm staying up all night and I'm not going to sleep. And like, I should get more sleep. And if I get more sleep, I'll fix everything. Like it might be true that you need more sleep, but also if you just like breathe deeply and smile and put your face in the sun for 10 minutes, like you might be astonished at how much that wakes you up. But yeah, you, you have to put the awareness there to do that because it's so easy to forget how important that is. Householders is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Silent Thunder Order. Find us on the web at ASZC.org. Our Sangha depends on your support. You can donate by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gashaw.